Hey, Red Tree. Hey, Faith Community. I'm so excited to share the word with you guys today. Um, Red Tree, I first just want to thank you guys for your partnership in the gospel with Faith Community. It's so amazing to know not only that you guys give financially to Faith Community, but also how you guys pray for us. Shout out to my man, Sam Tanell and to Craig McAlevey. Man, I love you guys so much. And I'm super thankful that you guys believe in the mission and vision of Faith Community. Here at Faith Community, y'all, we simply exist to make Christ known in the community by caring for the community. And it's such a privilege, right, to just see many people growing in the gospel, right? Uh, our last Sunday meeting officially as a team or as a church in our building was March 15th, and we had the privilege to baptize six people. So momentum is very high. What the Lord is doing here at Faith Community is so encouraging, so amazing. So Red Tree, I want you to know that your gifts, your missional giving to Faith Community helps us to do that which God has entrusted to us and, and your gifts are allowing us to reach many with the gospel, um, to serve our community and to focus on discipleship and caring for others well. So we're very thankful for you and what a privilege it is to share in the word with you all today. So if you have your Bible, you have your Bible, go with me to Romans chapter eight. Romans chapter eight is where we'll be today. And I'll begin reading at verse 31. Romans chapter 8, beginning at verse 31. Romans 8, beginning at verse 31. And what I want y'all to do, right, is as you turn to this, man, look, look at your screen, begin to get it some hearts, give it some likes, right, to know, right, that we all together, hopefully, Faith Community and Red Tree, you guys are conversing in the chat, um, saying hello to one another, right? Like, I know I can't hear y'all here, but talk back to me on that chat, right? You can say amen, say hallelujah, put some clapping hands or something, right? But but talk to one another in the chat, right? Um, worship is not a spectator sport. Though this is virtually, we can converse in the chat. Romans chapter 8, beginning at verse 31, reads this way. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God? Who indeed is interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it is written for your sake? We are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's Romans 8, verses 31 through 39. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this moment. This moment where we're reminded, God, that nothing can separate us from your love. I pray today, God, that as we 
worship virtually together, God, that you will be made much of, not only in all we say, but in all that we do. I pray, God, that our hearts will be encouraged to know that even in the midst of a pandemic where we can't gather together physically, that virtually you will be glorified. Your name will be great. I pray today, God, that you let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, my strength and my redeemer. Father, I pray and just thank you for using me, a broken stick, to do your will. And I pray today, God, that you'll be glorified in our time. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Just for a couple minutes, y'all, if you will, I want to preach from a subject. Nothing can tear me away from my Savior. Nothing can tear me away from my Savior. Now, interesting things that many of us in life, we go through times and experience things, right, that separate us from people. But I think about the many different disagreements that I've had with people who I love that have caused a breach in relationship. I think about just many people that I was in contact with, connected with, many situations that have happened that have caused us not to be as close as we could be or as we should be, right? We all find ourselves in places, situations, or, or circumstances, right, to where we sometimes may think that something is all good, but as soon as pressure hits, we begin to fall apart. Reality is life continues to happen all around us. We do things our way without reading the instructions to life, the Bible, find ourselves right back where we first started broken separated from the very people that God has called us to be connected with. Now, I want you to understand today that, that those of us who believe in the finished work of Christ have been blood-bought through, through Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. And those of us who've responded to his call, the gospel call, we have the responsibility to follow the instructions that the Lord has given us. He called us, y'all, not to perfection, but to obedience. He called us to obedience, and, and, and to ensure that we do so, he's given us a helper. Holy Spirit, which is at work in the lives of believers. This is, y'all, to ensure not only that we do what he has instructed us to, but to ensure that we stay connected to Christ. And it's interesting that in the midst of a pandemic, right, in the midst of this COVID-19, we find ourselves disconnected from one another. But what am I saying? Though we may be physically disconnected from one another, nothing can tear us away from our Savior. Now, I don't know what you're doing right now, what's in your hand, but that ought to cause you to clap a little bit, right? That ought to make you stand up off your couch and run in place because nothing will separate you from your Savior. See, when you do things God's way, nothing will separate you from him. Even when life begins to happen around us, when winds rise and strong winds blow, you will find that nothing will separate you from God. Yeah, believers experience suffering, 
At times that suffering that we experience causes us, right? Uh, um, creation causes believers and the Holy Spirit to groan because our suffering, let me tell you this believer, your suffering, right, is redemptive. This pandemic that we are experiencing, listen, it's redemptive. It, it, uh, um, it helps us to see, right, that we are secure in Christ. Well, how is a pandemic, how is a stay-at-home order redemptive? Because you ain't got nothing on your hands but time and it ought to point you to Jesus. That's the reality. Nothing can separate us from Christ. John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hands. Jesus says, my father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. I and the father are one. Listen to this red tree. Listen to this faith community. The security of Jesus' sheep rests with him as the good shepherd who has the power to keep us safe. Neither thieves nor robbers nor wolf, no wolves can harm us. God ultimately, let me tell you something about God, right? God ultimately stands behind the sheep's security. No one, nothing is able to steal us out of God's hands. Why? Because he's in control of all things. He is sovereign. When you are his, then you are his. Nothing can pluck us out of his hands. Listen, there is no separation when we are connected to Christ. Nothing can tear us away from him. There is no separation um, because we experience the love of God. He says, what shall separate us from the love of Christ? See, the emphasis is the final in this final section right of Romans chapter 8 is on the security of the believer oh I'm getting excited to know right that as a believer I can be secure in Christ he Paul emphasizes as he writes here to the church at Rome the security of the believer see we don't need to fear the past we don't need to fear the present or even the future because we are secure watch this in the love of Christ Paul, helping us to see this, he, he presented five arguments, y'all, to prove that there could be no separation between the believer and the Lord. See, see, here's the thing. Believers gain assurance, right, knowing that God is for them, right? And all the testing and suffering that confront believers, we can be confident that we are more than conquerors through Christ who loves us. We can expect difficulties in this age, yet they can be certain that nothing, we can be certain that nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God. And, and Paul here in this text, in our text, Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39, he presents five arguments that will ensure us that as genuinely converted blood-bought believers, nothing can, nothing can separate us. We can't be torn apart from God. Five arguments that he shows. Number one. We know and can rest in knowing that there is no separation um, between us and God. Number one, listen to this, because God is for us. Believer, have you really just stopped to think in the midst of a pandemic that God is for you? Let me tell you this. God is much more for you than your president. God is much more for you than your older person. God is much more for you than your state representative. God is much more for you even than the person sitting next to you. God is for us. Watch what he says. 
What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, whoo, who can be against us? See, we can't be separated because God is for us. See, here's the thing. The father is for us and he proved it by giving his son for us. The son is for us and so is the spirit. God is making all things work for us in his person and in his providence. Listen, God is for you. God is for you. Sometimes, right, like Jacob, we lament. We groan, right? Genesis 42, 36, all these things are against me when actually everything is working for you. Oh my God. Believers have the privilege to live life in reverse. We already know that victory is ours, but why? Because God is for us. Everything that we think is working against us, ah, Romans 8 says that it's working for our good. God is with us. He says, God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Listen, God orchestrates every event in life, even suffering temptation and to sin, uh -uh, to, to accomplish both our temporal and our eternal benefit. The conclusion is obvious in that, right? If God is for us, who can be against us? See, the believer needs to enter into a new day. Even in the midst of this pandemic, we need to enter into a new day, realizing that God is for you. God is for you. When everything seems to be working against you, God is for you. There's no need to fear. There's no need to fret, right? Our loving father desires only the best for his children, even if we must go through trials to receive his best. Come here, Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for calamity to give you, watch this, a future and a hope. God is for us. God is for us because we are his creation. And if he's for us, guess what? Nothing can separate us from him. Not only... Y'all, I'm getting excited in a room by myself. Listen to this, right? Listen to this. You ought to get excited to know, number one, that God is for you. But number two, right here in this text, right? Um, there's no separation, not only because God is for us, but number two. Here's the shouting material. Christ died for us. Woo, God is for us, but Christ died for us. Look at the text. Verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up, for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? The argument here, y'all, is from the lesser to the greater. If when we were sinners, God gave us his best, and now that we are his children, will he not give us all that we need? Jesus used the same argument when he tried to convince people that it was foolish to worry and fear. See, God cares for the birds and sheep and even the lilies. Surely he'll care for you. How did he care for? He cared for us by giving his son on the cross. He cared for us. Christ died for us. Since he gave his son to die for us, he will give us all things that we need. Somebody may say, but, but I may not be able to hold out. He's going he's, he to do that for you too. He, he, he'll hold you. When you're God's sheep, listen, you're safe. 
It's not because we're smart, right? It's not um, because we have the ability to protect ourselves. It's not because as, as sheep, we run fast. Uh -uh. We are little old helpless sheep, right? If a little old sheep stands up and sings, safe am I, is that sheep safe? Yes. Smart sheep, no. His sheep are safe, not because we are smart, not because we are powerful, but because we have a wonderful shepherd who graciously gives to us. Christ died for us. Listen to this. God freely gives all things to his own. We know that we will be okay. We know that nothing will separate us from Christ. Why? Because he died for us. In our place, he gave his life as a ransom for many. And listen, genuinely converted, blood-bought believer, you are part of the many. Christ did for you what you could not do for yourself. He didn't leave you hanging then, and surely he will not leave you hanging now. Christ died for you. Think about that. You think, honestly, you think that Christ took your sins on his back and died on the cross to leave you hanging in the pandemic? No. No. He made us a promise. He said, I'll always be with you. I will never leave nor forsake you. We belong to him. We were bought with a price. Jesus purchased us with his life. Therefore, we know that nothing will separate us because we belong to him. He died for us. God gives freely to those who are his. We know that nothing will separate us from Christ. Nothing will separate us because Christ died for us. Not only, number one, do we know that nothing will separate us because, right, um, because God is for us. We know that nothing will separate us because Christ died for us. But number three, we know that nothing will separate us. Listen to this. Number three, God has justified us. It's in the text. What shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. What this means, what this means, y'all, is that he has declared us righteous in Christ. See, Satan would like, Satan would love nothing more to accuse us. But we stand righteous in Jesus. We are God's elect, chosen in Christ and accepted in Christ. God will certainly not accuse us since he who has just, since it is he who justifies us, he won't accuse us. How do we know this? Watch this. Watch this. All oh, this is the shopping material. You may want to get up off your couch for this one. Listen to this. Whom the son sets free <laughs> is free indeed. He's not going to accuse you because he justified you with his own hand. He who, he, it is he who justifies us. For him to accuse us, listen, let me tell you this. For God to accuse you would mean that his salvation was a failure. And we are still in our sins. But thanks be to God for the hope that he's given us. Understand, y'all, the, the, meaning, the, the meaning of justification brings peace to our hearts. See, when God declares the believing sinner righteous in Christ, that declaration never changes. 
Our experience as genuinely converted blood-bought believer, it changes from day to day. But justification, being made right in the sight of God, let me tell you, it never changes. It never changes. Now, we may accuse ourselves and men may accuse us, but listen, but God will never take us to court and accuse us. Jesus has already paid the penalty and we, we, <clears throat> we are secure in him. We're secure in him. Let me tell you this. Nothing can tear us apart from our savior. Why? Because God has justified us. Here it is, number four. We know that nothing will separate us from Christ, number four, because, <clears throat> because Christ interceded for us. <clears throat> There's no separation because Christ interceded for us. Romans 8, 34. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who raised? Who is at the right hand of God? Who indeed is interceding for us? Listen, Christ is interceding for us. Christ is petitioning God, praying, communicating with God on our behalf. Therefore, we are secure in him. Not only is Christ interceding for us, but Holy Spirit is interceding for us as well. See, it's a dual intercession, right? A dual intercession keeps the believer secure in Christ. The Spirit intercedes and the Son of God intercedes. The same Savior who died for us is now interceding for us in heaven. And as our high priest, he can give us the grace we need to overcome temptation and defeat the enemy. And listen, as our advocate, listen, he can forgive our sins and restore our fellowship with God. See, intercession simply means that Jesus Christ represents us before the throne of God and we don't have to represent ourselves. Why? Because Jesus is doing it. Ah, yes, he's interceding for us. He's standing. He's the go-between. He's our advocate. He's our advocate. We are not only saved by his death, y'all, but we are saved by his life. Therefore, y'all, uh -uh, he, he says in Hebrews, right? Uh -uh, therefore, he's able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. See, consequently, he's able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. See, Peter sinned against the Lord, but he was forgiven and restored to fellowship. Why? Because of Christ. Scripture says it. Simon, Simon, listen. Satan has asked permission to sift all of you like wheat, but I've prayed especially for you that your own faith may not utterly fail. He is interceding for us. A ministry that assures us that we are secure. We're secure in Christ. Because Jesus Christ is our intercessor. He's our advocate. He serves, right, as the go-between between us and God. Let me tell you this. Nothing can tear us away from our Savior. Why? Because God is for us. Nothing can tear us away from the Savior because Christ died for us. Nothing can tear us away from Christ because God has justified us. Nothing shall separate us from the love of Christ because Christ is interceding for us. And here it is. Finally, number five. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. 
Here it is, because Christ loves us. Watch what he says. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, he says, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, listen, when we are genuinely converted, Holy Spirit indwelled, blood-bought believers, no matter what life presents to us, there's no separation from our Savior. There's no being torn apart from our Savior because God is for us. Because Christ died for us. Because God has justified us. Because Christ intercedes for us. And because Christ loves us. See, in Romans 8, right, Paul proved that God cannot fail us. But it is possible that we can fail him. Suppose, y'all, some, some great trial or temptation comes and we fail. Then what? Paul deals with that problem in this final section in Romans 8 and explains that nothing, he says, can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ. He does not love us. Listen to this. He does not love us because we are lovable or because we deserve his love. No. He, if anything, the opposite is true. The state of mankind since the fall is wickedness, total wickedness, depravity. The heart is deceitfully wicked and it's desperately wicked. Who can know it? See, our innermost beings are so corrupted by sin that even we don't realize the extent to which sin has tainted us. We want things our way. Our natural state is that we just don't seek God. And we don't love God. Our natural state, we don't desire God. Romans 3 clearly presents the state of natural of a natural, unregenerate, jacked up person, right? There is none who is righteous. No, not one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks after God. They all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. How then is it possible for a holy, righteous, and perfect God to love such creatures? To understand this, y'all, we must understand something about the nature and character of God. Here it is, right? Ooh, here it is. God does, does not just love. He don't just love. He don't just love because it sounds nice. He don't just love, but watch this. He is love. He is love, right? His nature and essence, both his nature is love and his essence in love is love. So what am I saying? Everything about God is love. Love permeates his very being and infuses all of his other attributes. Let me tell you this. Even in God's wrath, 
even in God's anger, it's saturated in a four-letter word, love. And let me tell you this, love is not some red heart that we talk about on February 14th, but love is a wooden cross, right? Love died on the cross. Love was buried in a borrowed tomb, and on three days, love rose from the grave that we might be in right relationship with God because his very nature is love. He must demonstrate love just as he must demonstrate all of his attributes because doing so glorifies him. God is love. He loves us and his love is so strong that nothing can separate us from him. See, since it's God's essential nature to love, he demonstrated his love by lavishing it on undeserved people who are in rebellion against him. God's love is not this, this sappy, sentimental, romantic feeling, but rather it's an agape love, the love of self-sacrifice. And he demonstrated this sacrificial love by sending on the cross, sending his son to the cross where he paid the penalty for our sins, by drawing us to himself, by forgiving us of our rebellion against him, and by sending his Holy Spirit to indwell within us, thereby enabling us to love as he loved. He did, he did this in spite of the fact that we didn't deserve it. Come here, Romans chapter five, verse eight. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still sinners. Christ died for the ungodly. His love is personal. He knows each of us individually and loves us personally. He, his love is a mighty love that has no beginning. His love has no end. It is this, it, it, it is this experiencing of God's love, listen, that distinguishes Christianity from all other religions. Because of his love, those of us who respond to it, he gives us the power to conquer. We are more than conquerors, literally. We are super conquerors through Christ. He gives us victory and more victory and more victory and more victory, not because we deserve it, but because of his love. We don't need to fear life. We don't need to fear death. We don't need to fear things present or things to come. Why? Because Jesus loves us and gives us the victory. This is not a promise with conditions attached. See, see, we love one another, but it's based on conditions. Now, I can just imagine, right? Deacon Cortez telling his wife, baby, I love you if you do this. And, and Sister Torsia, you, you know, uh, well, I'll love you too if you do that. Or, or, or brother and sister so-and-so at Red Tree saying, hey, I'll love you if you do this or if you do that. See, 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 that's the flawed hearts of man. See, our love is based on conditions, but God's love is based on his essence. It's based on who he is. Right, right. That, see, see, this security in Christ is an established fact, y'all, and we can claim it for ourselves because we are in Christ. Nothing can separate us from his love. But what do I do? You got to believe in it. You got to rejoice in it, rest in it, knowing that no matter what this world presents, nothing shall separate us from the love of God that's found in Christ Jesus. See, this chapter, chapter Romans 8, really shows that those who believe in Jesus are completely victorious. We are free from judgment because Christ died for us and we have his righteousness. We are free from defeat because Christ lives in us by his spirit and we share his life. 
Y'all, we are free. We ought to be free from discouragement because Christ is coming for us and we shall share in his glory. We are free from fear because Christ intercedes for us and we cannot be separated from his love. Let me ask you this. How you feeling? What's on your mind? Did this pandemic have you feel like the Lord has abandoned you? Let me be clear. He has not abandoned you. He's right here with you every step of the way. He has not left you alone. He's reminding us here in Romans 8 that nothing shall separate us from him. Neither height nor death, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come. No pandemic, no presidential election, no broken relationships. Nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God that's found in Christ Jesus. Nothing can tear us away from our Savior. Why? Why do I say that? Because God is for us. Christ died for us. God has justified us. Christ intercedes for us. And he loves us. Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful, Lord, that you've given us a privilege to be in relationship with you. And the reminder, the reminder that, Lord, you will never leave us nor forsake us, helps us to know and understand that we're in your hands and nothing can tear us from you. I pray that those will be words that come out of our mouth, but that, Lord, also it'll be the position of our heart as well. And I pray that we rest in that today, knowing, Jesus, that you're in control of all things. God, I pray for my brother or my sister that's feeling far away from you, that you will draw them closer, that you will wrap your arms around them and give them strength even in this season. Father, I pray that you will help us to know and understand. God, that you will never leave us and that nothing can tear us away from you. I pray for those that are watching this or listening to this who don't know you. And I ask you today, to draw them to you, that they too don't have to be defeated by the things of this world, but that they will experience a relationship with you. We love you, Father, and we thank you for hearing our prayer. Amen. Thank you guys for watching this feed today. And our prayer is that the Lord will continually bless you real, real good, and that you will know that nothing can take you out of his hands. Thank you, Red Tree for having us today. Thank you, Faith Community, um, for worshiping. God bless you. God keep you as our prayer.